welcome to the Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Abbasi. I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic and stroke survivor. And I wonder how many times I have to say Rachel Abbasi uh, before I stop smiling when I say it. We'll see. Today is day 14 for the Plank Challenge. So if you are on the three-minute track, Again, meaning that you want to be able to do a plank for three minutes by the end of the month. Then today you will hold a plank for 70 seconds. And if you're on the five-minute track, you will do 90 seconds again. So I hope you had a good rest yesterday. Um, Okay, and today's episode we are exploring... Approaching each day with the same sense of renewal that we reserve for life's significant milestones. Things like getting married, so no wonder this is on my mind, um, or ringing in the new year. Imagine greeting each breath, each moment with a fresh perspective, the same way that we do when we get married or we enter into a new year. What level of mindfulness and presence that would be to be able to do that? So I want to talk about that a little bit. And so thinking about this idea that you know we go about our lives every day and we're just breathing, right? It's automatic. Um, and I was thinking today, we do that and yet we are not guaranteed that the next breath is going to come. And it was an intriguing thought to me. Um, sometimes I'm sure everybody does this. I get caught up in this like strange thought (laughs) and I was thinking about this. Um, I mean, if we aren't guaranteed our next breath, we expect it to come. And we aren't like overjoyed every time we get our next inhale. And yet we almost should be, you know, I mean, we don't get an infinite number of breaths in this life. And um, if you think about it from that perspective, like, we really should be cherishing each one as it comes. And um, granted, we'd have to be admitted somewhere if we got that excited <laughs> about each breath. But, um, but going further into this, letting go of one breath and welcoming the next breath with gratitude this seems like a really cool like 10 minute meditation to do like just to think about that to say goodbye to your breath and say hello to the next one and just do that for like 10 minutes um it seems like it would be very chill to me it seems like it would be a really good meditation so um this idea of constant renewal um was a sort of 
discussion that I had with my psychiatrist to to a to a point like uh we were talking about this new phase of my life with my kids you know my kids are in their 20s now and they are adulting and I was I've really been mourning the past and instead of doing that mourning the past and and what I've lost I we her and I were talking about how I can focus on cultivating and nurturing my relationships in this new phase of our lives and I haven't quite figured out how I'm going to do that but the more I think about it it's exciting it almost seems to me like this new beginning um okay, what new activities or things can I do to nurture my relationships with my kids? Not just my kids, but also my mom. So that's been another big thing is, um, especially with my post-stroke, I don't get to go see my mom. Um, She is an hour away and I don't get to drive to her. And um, sure, she, she can come and she does come here. But um, it's not the same. <laughs> you know, I want to be able to go see my mom when I want to go see my mom. And so this is a new phase also in my relationship with my mom. I've always lived down the street from my mom. Always. Until about three years ago. Uh, I lived down the street from my mom. And, um, and so... I find myself mourning that, you know, I'm grieving what used to be. And so I talked to my psychiatrist about this and it's like, you don't have to do that. You don't have to look back and grieve what no longer is, but instead think of new ways to make today's phase of your life more exciting, to make it better, to nurture your relationships in this way. So she's going to help me do that. So mom, if you're listening, we're going to have exciting new ways to nurture our relationship. Um, so when we go into a new year, we set resolutions. And those of you who are lifetime listeners, meaning you have been listening for the past seven months, know that I do not believe in New Year's resolutions. And that is because if there was anything, any profound thing that I want to change about my life, I'm just going to do it at the moment in time that I think about it. I'm not going to wait until the New Year's. It's kind of like quitting smoking for New Year's. Um, Just if you're going to quit smoking, you quit smoking at the moment you think, huh, maybe I should quit smoking. Um, That kind of thing. So I've just never been a big fan of New Year's resolutions. But um, it's similar to me. um, And I apologize if it's not similar to you. But when we enter into a marriage like I did yesterday, eek, uh, we exchange vows. And this is like the same kind of verbal, you know, resolution. I resolve to, to, to be this way and love you, you know, forever and all this good stuff. (laughs) 
And so when we start each day, why not begin each day with like a solid spoken intention? Um, This concept of living each day intentionally can transform how we experience life's uncertainties, like by the day, by the week, or by the phases of our lives. And I have found this real, it's really rewarding for me to have my schedule written up on my whiteboard or on my mirror. And that is my way of starting my day with intention. You know, like, I know that I want to accomplish this today. And it gets me excited about knowing that I have something ahead of me in the day. And when I was going to work, I did something similar. um, But since it's oriented around work, depending on how obsessed you are as a as an employee, this will either be rewarding to you or not. For me, it was rewarding. um, Because I just really liked my job. So I usually, you know, and I and my team and I did this together, we would set out our intention for the day. And then by the end of the day, it feels like we've accomplished something. Because if we go into each day, and we're just like, I'm quote unquote working today. That's it. And then when at five o'clock, I'm getting off work today. For me, it didn't give me fulfillment if I did that. Like, I really needed to have goals, like not just goals that were within my position, but I set personal goals and I worked with my team to set personal goals so that when we would have like our yearly meetup, like review time, we would talk about what do you want to accomplish here at work? But we would also talk about what do you want to accomplish in life? Um, because as a boss, I felt like it's my job, of course, to guide you through um, this your career with, with this company. But also, I was the boss of a couple real young people who just came out of college. And so I feel like I was even more um, it required to guide them through uh, or to their future career. So I really liked talking to them about what do you what do you want to accomplish here and what do you want to accomplish in life? How can we get you there? And that is how I'm trying to start looking at my day in stroke recovery. Like, I've made it pretty clear that I'm full-time recovery. That means for me, I start off my day with a sobriety meeting. And then um, throughout my day, everything I'm doing is focused on my well-being. Um, And that is not fulfilling to me. And this is something that I talked to my psychiatrist about. I cannot have every day just revolve around me and doing things for me. 
Um, my values that I talked to her about are communication, learning, and health. And so she talked about aligning my, my activities with those. And I found out that what I really needed to do was try to find a way to integrate um, doing things for others into my activities. So if I'm going to be sewing, sew a quilt for somebody else. If I'm going to be baking, bake some cookies for the neighbors. You know, um, I'm going to start trying to knit. Um, so I'm going to knit something for somebody else. And that's where I find fulfillment. And that's where I find the energy and the excitement to wake up in the morning. If I know that there's something I'm doing in my day that's for somebody else, I'm pretty happy that that is instilled in me, that that's something that makes me happy. That's where I find enjoyment is doing things for other people. So I'm happy I've discovered that over the past, over the past two weeks. Um, Okay, so I don't know if I was headed somewhere with that, but (laughs) here I am. We're back to the script. So I heard someone mention this morning, quote unquote, quote unquote, embrace uncertainty. And um, so this was in my morning sobriety meeting. And just like everything else, depending on what's going on in my life that day, where I hear something that I may have heard dozens of times, um, I hear it with with just a different perspective, and I have a different reaction to it. So the notion struck me differently today for embracing uncertainty. Um, I was thinking about with this whole topic um, that the day after my wedding, I was thinking about how marriage itself is this gigantic leap into the unknown. And yet it's an uncertainty that we welcome with an excitement. We think, you know, I don't know what's to come, but what I do know is I'm going to have you with me, you know, and we're going to get through it together. But it's still uncertainty. Like you have no idea what is ahead of you. All you know is that you have each other. Um, which is a big thing. (laughs) Of course, it's a big thing. But why don't other uncertainties in life not inspire the same sort of enthusiasm? Um, How can we adjust our perspective to view other uncertainties through a more inspiring and hopeful lens? Um, Just something to think about. Um, and then I was also thinking, and this seems like it's not related, but, uh, to me it is related. Many of us, uh, have illnesses and pain that are invisible to the outside world. Nobody else can see it from alcoholism. You know, I have a cup, I have a few actually alcoholism. I've got my mild cognitive disorder that was from my stroke and um, I've got chronic daily migraines, and I have a vision impairment. 
And none of these things, you can't tell there's anything wrong with me by looking at me. Um, and then I'm listening to a, I shared it yesterday. I think it was yesterday. No, it was a couple days ago. Um, Comfort for Dark Days, uh, this seven-day course that I'm listening to. And the individual that leads the course has Lyme's disease. And because of that, as a result of that, she has lots of things going on, lots of them. But if you look at her, it doesn't look like there's anything wrong with her. Um, And so this idea of having illnesses and pain that are invisible to other people is really what this podcast is built around. Um, It's about healing from the inside out. It's about all the stuff that nobody talks about. I'm talking about it because I don't know anybody else who is. And, um, And I realized a couple years ago when I lost somebody who was really important in my life, Um, a friend, I realized that he is worth me talking about this. Because if there's just one single person in the world who can relate to what I'm saying and not feel alone anymore, then all of this is worth it. All of these hundreds of episodes is worth it to save just one person or have one person get a seed planted in them that gives them some sort of hope that life doesn't have to stay that way, that there are people that understand what's going on on the inside of you, even though nobody else can see it. That's what this podcast is for. So our understanding and empathy towards others that have these unseen illnesses are shaped by our personal experiences. And when I got sober, um, to me, this is a perfect example. When I got sober, people who were not alcoholics did not understand, period. They didn't understand what was going on. Why can't she just stop drinking? Why is she ruining her life? Um, and she can't stop drinking. They don't understand. And the same way, um, you know, I can't watch TV. I can't drive. I can't ride in the car. It makes me sick. Um, My head starts hurting really bad. Um, And that's just a couple things I can't do. But if you look at me, I look totally normal. Why can't she do that? Just close your eyes. You can do that. Just close your eyes and ride, you know, in the car. Well, it's terrible. It's a terrible experience. It's not the same as as somebody, as a normal person closing their eyes and ri- riding in the car. Like, that is bad enough to close your eyes and ride in the car. That's not what it feels like for me. It feels like... Um, I'm nauseous and closing my eyes and running in the car. Like, it doesn't, I've already am off balance when I'm in the car, whether my eyes are open or closed. If I'm moving, 
then things are not right, whether my eyes are open or closed. So um, it's just uncomfortable. And, and I don't really have a great way of explaining it to anyone. I just know what it feels like to me. And so this is another example of, you know, unless you've gone through it, you don't know what's happening inside of me. Um, I'm the only one who's suffering. You know, maybe, maybe my husband is suffering a little bit, but, uh, but you know what I mean. Um, and so I have, you know, I've longed for somebody to rescue me from all of these things. I, I wanted somebody to rescue me from my alcoholism. Um, I didn't want to be the, the only one that could save me. Um, but I was the only one that could. Um, and I felt like, why do I have to save myself when I'm the one who's suffering, you know? Um, and I'm facing the same kind of thing with my stroke. And that is that I want someone to save me. You know, I have a huge lump in my throat saying that out loud. I want somebody to save me, but nobody can. My, my husband, I'm learning how to say that. My husband does everything he can to help me, but he can't save me. So I just keep showing up. You know, do I wake up in the morning and think it's a whole new day to pull myself out of the lion's jaws? <laughs> no, I actually just started this daily activity moder- monitoring sheet that my psychiatrist gave me. And uh, you fill out, it's just like the whole day. So one sheet of paper is one day and it's got hour by hour and you just write down what you did that day, um, how much enjoyment you got out of the activity, and how important it was on a scale from 1 to 10. So it's kind of like a diet journal, you know, where you write down everything that you, each thing that you ate, and like, uh, I don't know, what reaction you had, or something like that. Maybe it's nothing like a diet journal. But, um, you know, it's, it's like waking up in the morning, I think I put the enjoyment was a seven, waking up in the morning. So why did I put a seven? I put a seven because I get to go to my 7am sobriety meeting. That's why I put a seven. That's how much I look forward to my sobriety meeting. If I didn't have my sobriety meeting at 7 a.m., I can't tell you that my enjoyment would pass a five waking up in the morning. So that's important for me that I do it. Um, The importance is a 10 because going to that sobriety meeting um, is the difference between me not taking a drink and being emotionally sober as well. So I want to keep finding these things that increase my enjoyment. 
for different times of my day. Um, I go when I go to bed at night. I used to just turn off the light and go to bed. Um, I mean, you know, your lifetime listeners know that I have a big <laughs> spiel of things that I do before I go to bed. I have my prayers. I have my push-ups. Um, now I have my planks. And um, yeah, my prayers, so I say that. And my gratefuls and, and all of these things. And my stretches. I've got all these things before I go to bed. And that makes going to bed way more enjoyable than just crawling into bed. I used to do my gratefuls and turn off the light. And it wasn't very enjoyable. I mean, I did my gratefuls because I was told that I should do my gratefuls. And then before I started doing my, like, before I wrote out my gratefuls, I would feel like a, maybe a six. But after I wrote my gratefuls, I felt more like a eight. You know, so just doing the activity would transform my mindset. And that's what I like to do is to find these little things in my day that turn each part of my day from a six to an eight or a seven to a 10. So these are some helpful suggestions, hopefully for you listeners. And why don't you try it? I mean, if you're interested, try filling out your own daily activity journal and jot down what you did, how important it was, one to 10, and how much enjoyment you got out of it, one to 10. Um, you can do it as specific as you want to. Right now, since I've got a lot of time on my hands in recovery, I'm actually writing down things like I took a shower um, and stuff like that, because these things right now in my mental state are important for me to acknowledge Um, because I need to make sure that I understand the importance of self-care and how much enjoyment do I get out of self-care and that kind of thing. So I'm writing down all of these things, but you don't have to do it that way if you don't want to. But I think by doing this for a couple weeks, I'll be able to start seeing right in front of me with my eyes how changing my activities will lead to a more joyful, you know, day-to-day existence. Um, I think it will help me to be a little more hopeful, like to feel like there's something new and exciting around the corner. And wouldn't that be something right now? Because I don't, I mean, my, my marriage yesterday was something that was really exciting. And um, I, it's just few and far between that I've got exciting things around the corner. And so I would like to make that happen. And nobody's rescuing me. Like I said, like I'm the one who who needs to be accountable for my own happiness. And it gets tiring, you know, but it gets more tiring not to try to help myself, not to try to rescue myself to just be caught in the lion's jaws. Like, it's much more 
difficult to hang out in the lion's jaws than to pull myself out, you know, but it's not, it's not always enjoyable. Most of the time, it's not, you know, that's why I'm going to psychiatrist. But it will be. I know that for sure, because I'm really enjoying the psychiatrist. The big deal is getting there, you know, making the call, setting up the appointments. But once I do, <clears throat> having my conversations with her, that's one of those things where I log on and um, I'm feeling about a six when I start. And I'm at about a 10 when I get off the phone with her. And that that's pretty significant, you know. That is something. So as a community here with Recovery Daily Podcast, let's challenge ourselves to view each day as an opportunity for renewal, um, to set intentions that guide us through the day or the week um, with, you know, facing uncertainties with optimism and grace. Um, just as I embrace the unknowns that are ahead, um, as I just entered into a new marriage, you know, the new beginnings, like, um, embrace the unknowns with hope and, um, try to apply the same excitement to all aspects of our lives as we do those types of big significant changes in our lives, um, including this, the, the stuff that we face with these unseen illnesses and recovery. And, and that stuff I know is uncomfortable and scary. I know firsthand it's uncomfortable and scary, but I also know that I can surface joy in the middle of a really shitty day. I know that that it's possible to do that. Um, I've done it. I keep doing it. And the only way it's possible is if I keep showing up. I keep suiting up and showing up for my life every day. And one of those things that I keep doing now also is to pick up the phone and call somebody. And I haven't, you know, I get in and out of that phase of doing that. But um, I'm, I'm noticing that that is something that throws a 10 on that on that uh, daily activity monitoring sheet, um, because I really enjoy talking to other people gets me out of myself. Um, and, and I don't want to feel like I need to be rescued. You know, I'm not talking to somebody else so that they can rescue me. Um, I'm talking to somebody else uh, because it helps me discover my own strength. And <clears throat> I want to look at my days through a lens of re- renewal and intention. And just opening my mouth and talking to another human being helps me do that. So thank you for joining me today on Recovery Daily Podcast. I will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.